Welcome to Real Life. Hi, I'm Jim Miller, and you're listening to the Real Life LA podcast, coming to you from multiple locations in the San Gabriel Valley of sunny Southern California. We're a church for everyone, and we exist to lead people to Jesus, a community of grace with a God-sized vision that reaches from generation to generation. As you hear today's message, we pray that God speaks specifically to you and opens your heart and inspires you to live each day with more joy, beauty, and wonder. Hey, Real Life Church, God bless you. It's Pastor Jim. It's good to be with you again. Thanks for tuning in uh, and joining us in our online broadcast. We are in a new location on Sunday mornings physically. We are over here at the Glendora campus because in case you missed it last week, uh, we have moved out of our Valley Center property. We had first moved out because they were replacing the roof over there. uh, And then uh, in the realization that we could fit on the Glendora campus at three services, we decided, the board and the staff decided that we would move the whole church here for the foreseeable future. And the money that we save in rent and utilities, we can invest in the property that we own over here in Glendora and do some upkeep that hasn't been done for a while. So we're very thankful to be uh, here together at uh, 8.30, 10, and 11.30 on Sunday mornings. And the 11.30 service is actually a brunch during the service. If you've never seen our brunch service, it's different than traditional church. Uh, And it's a great place to bring people who otherwise might not go to church. So you can check out our brunch service or any of our services over here if ever you are uh, wanting to worship with us in person. But I realize some of us are not nearby. Some of us are far away tuning in. And we're glad to be able to touch base uh, with you every week uh, through our online broadcast. Hey, uh, for those of you who are here in town, uh, thank you for all of you who have helped provide for this weekend's auction. Uh, Sunday night, 7 p.m., we're having our big auction to help support the preschool and do some work on the preschool facilities. And you all have been so generous. Uh, You've donated Lion King tickets and a Sandy Koufax autographed baseball and sushi restaurant tickets and several sets of Disney tickets and Disney memorabilia. It's going to be a, it's going to be a fabulous auction. There are amazing gifts out and uh, almost a hundred of you now have purchased tickets to the auction. Uh, it's about full. If you still want to get in, there's like this much of a window. Uh, but thank you to all of you who have supported it and donated and are coming. And we look forward to that. It's, it'll just be a great night together uh, to help bless our preschool because God has given us this, this amazing property over here and all these uh, wonderful kids and families to care for. And we love the preschool and we want them to know how much we care for them and want to support them. So thanks, to, thanks for being the church that, uh, that lets us bless the community. Uh, hey, we're going to continue now in our series of studies in the Gospel of Luke. We're almost at the end of our series. We're going to go up to Easter in the Gospel of Luke. And today uh, we're going to go back to Luke chapter 15. And I'm going I'm to go back and revisit this again because it's so critical to the, the message of Jesus. Uh, we saw in Luke 14 that Jesus gave us instructions on how to throw a party. And the message over and over again was, invite those who would not be invited. Invite the outsiders. Invite those who have been left out of the church. Uh, invite, if you're going to have a party, those are, those are who you send invitations to. And in Luke 15, we get the lost parables, the parables in which Jesus describes himself as a shepherd on the hunt for lost sheep. And so that's what we're going to look at today. Hey, pray with me. Lord, I thank you that uh, you loved us so much that when we were lost, you would cross a a universe to be born in the flesh among us so that we could see you and know you and, and hear your will in a human voice. Jesus, thank you for loving us despite our brokenness and redeeming us 
when we, uh, were, we, we were right in the midst of rejecting you. Thank you that through the teachings that the first century disciples have captured, that we can now know your will and return to you. Jesus, bless the hearts of those who are reaching out in search of you this morning, who want to know you more, who are wondering if you're there. Open our hearts and our minds to your word. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. All right, this is in Luke chapter 15 at verse 1. This is the, the parable of the lost sheep. Now, the tax collectors and sinners, and this is who Jesus associated with most. Remember, he surrounded himself with the outcast, the rebels, the people who were not welcomed in social circles, the people who had been rejected by religious insiders. The tax collectors were seen as traitors to Judea because they were taking money away from their own people and giving it to the Romans who ruled over them. And sinners, which is not a generic term. It's, it's actually referring to those people who had violated social norms to a degree that they were now branded. Uh, it's the, it's the ex-con, and everybody whispers about him behind his back and says, that guy, you know his story, you know what he did. And those are the people that Jesus sought out. Those were his friends. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees, the religious teachers and insiders who loved God's law, but forgot God's love, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes, uh, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Now, the, the scriptures <clears throat> are rich in shepherd imagery. Jesus returns to this image again in John 10, where he says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life, life for the sheep. Because a shepherd would protect the sheep with his life, and he, as the good shepherd, will die on the cross for us. So that the punishment we deserve, he receives on the cross, and we are forgiven. We are without guilt. There is nothing left for us to be punished for, because he took that on the cross. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus was the good shepherd, and so if ever we, we wander from him, he'll leave the 99 who are safe, uh, in the field and go looking for the one sheep who's lost. That's who he associated with. That's what he taught his disciples to do. That's what the early church did. And that's what he sends you and I out to do in the world. Imagine a parent who has two children and one of them is sleeping safely in the bedroom and the other one has not come home and hasn't called and the parent doesn't know where the child is. Where's the parent's heart in that situation? The parent isn't going around in circles over the, the child who's home safe. The parent is impassioned for the child who's missing. And that's the heart of God. Doesn't he leave the 99 who are safe and go looking for the one who's lost? When you and I were lost, when we had wandered away from God or, or never found God or rejected God, when we were at our worst... Jesus left those who are safe to go looking for us. 
there's, there's a party thrown in heaven when a lost one is found. And there's more rejoicing in heaven for the one who's found than over 99 who were already safe. That's the heart of God. The, the shepherd imagery is actually much older than Jesus, though, in the scriptures. The, the most famous shepherd imagery in the scriptures is in Psalm 23. Uh, often we read this psalm at, at funerals, and so it's a very familiar one, one probably the most famous of the psalms. Uh, in this psalm, King David remembers his childhood where he was a shepherd, and he used to sit on the he, uh, hill overlooking the sheep whom he fed and protected from wolves and took care of. And he must have had this revelation as a child that just as I sit and watch over the sheep, God sits and watches over me. And so the parable begins, the Lord is my shepherd, just as I am the shepherd to the sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Right? David's, David's first revelation and realizing that he is being watched over is that God takes care of all of his needs. And Jesus promises that he will take care of all our needs when we trust him. He is the good shepherd. He'll even lay down his life for us. This is why biologically we are made to parent. We are made to parent so that we can grasp by metaphor what God's relationship with us is like. When we parent or when we vicariously care for the next generation, when we raise up the next generation, we have that experience of saying there's, there's this, this small precious person who can't protect themselves, and I will pour out myself to make sure this child has the best of what life has to offer. I will make sure this generation is blessed and that my legacy to them is that I cared for them. God makes us biologically to be parents so that in our wiring, we can have a sense for how God feels about us. God is a good, healthy, and loving parent who would pour out his life to save us when we're lost. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along right paths for his name's sake. Uh, this is how most of us become Jesus followers. We see Jesus take care of us. We experience Jesus providing for us. And that's why we love him. That's why we begin to follow him. But then in verse 4, listen to this. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Um, it's kind of strange to think, well, if he's the good shepherd who's providing for me, who wants to lead me by green pastures and still waters, he wants to provide for my needs, he wants to protect me, why do I end up in the valley of the shadow in the first place? If I was walking with him, if he's good to me, why am I here? You ever have that experience where you go through a, a dark phase in life and you think to yourself, why is this happening? Did I do something wrong? Has God forgotten me? Why, why is God not answering my prayers that this bad stuff would go away? And I have the profound sense that when Jesus leads us through the valleys of life. It's because he wants us to experience how good he will be to us, even when the world around us is dangerous. He wants us not to never pass through dark valleys, but rather to learn that we can pass through them confidently because he's with us as much in the valley as he is on the mountaintop. 
when we go through those dark times, it's not because God is ignoring us. It's because He's all the more close. His heart is for the one sheep that's lost. And He'll leave the 99 to go looking for the one who is in the valley of the shadow. It says, verse 5, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Uh, anointing was, it was a cleansing ritual, and it was uh, something they did when someone became a king. They poured oil over their head. It was a sign of exaltation or, or blessing. Um, uh, it's a, you know, you, you're, when you're, you're having a good day, you put a little product in your hair. That's what this is. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You'll lead me by green pastures and still waters. When I go through the valleys, you're with me there too. Your love will follow me all of my life. That's the promise. The early church loved this story. The early church loved this image of God, the good shepherd. The oldest uh, archaeological evidence we have of a physical building of a church comes from the third century, and it's called uh, Dura Europus. Uh, and you can look this up online. If you, if you Google Good Shepherd Dura Europus, it'll take you to uh, an image of this. The, there's a, a, a plaque, a, a mosaic in, in this, uh, this old house that had been converted into a church. And we know it was a church because there's a baptismal font in the house and all this Christian imagery. But over the door, there's this image of a shepherd carrying a sheep on its shoulders. Because the early church, persecuted by the Romans, persecuted by the Jewish people who rejected them. They loved the image of the good shepherd, the good shepherd who would leave the 99 who are safe and go looking for the one who's lost. And you see in the early church architecture, this is what, this is what they were drawn to. Is it any wonder that in the birth of the Messiah, the first people that God summons to the side of the manger where Jesus has been born are shepherds? Uh, an image foretelling what this child is to be. It's such a beautiful passage. Psalm 23 is so beautiful, such a beautiful promise. And Luke 15, this, this beautiful image of, of the God who loves us so much, he will, he will come chasing after us when we're lost. But there's a challenge contained in this parable. And for the beauty of the, the parable and the promise, you can't miss the challenge. And the challenge is this. Doesn't he leave the 99? And we should be wary of that. Because when Jesus calls to us, when he comes to, to gather us up as a good shepherd, it's not so that we would remain sheep. It's so that we would become apprentice shepherds in his footsteps. Jesus took his disciples, he empowered them, he commissioned them, and he sent them out to do ministry. He sent them out to be apprentice shepherds. He sent them ahead of him in pairs to everywhere he would go. They became apprentice shepherds because they had been sheep rescued by the good shepherd. And Jesus continues to do the same with us today. You don't ever want to come to that place where you have settled into such comfort that you are depending on the shepherd to always provide a nice green pasture for you and you've forgotten the call to become an apprentice shepherd. Um, it's, it's wonderful. It's beautiful that God has provided for us this, this campus here in Glendora. Uh, that we have. God provided for us a field to meet in when we first worshiped together. God provided for us a middle school when we needed a building. God provided us the Valley Center uh, to rent 
uh, when we needed that, and then God gave us a building here in Glendora. But God isn't done yet. And we can't come to the place where we settle in and say, okay, well, I like it the way it is now. I don't want it to change. I, I just, this is comfortable for me. I just want it to stay this way. If we ever become a church, uh, and this is not the case for real life church. I, I'm, I'm not preaching, I'm, I'm preaching to, to other churches right now. If, if we were ever to become a church where the, the message of the people who attended was, this is what I want. This is what's comfortable for me and my family. This is my preference. If we ever came to that place, I would have to leave this church as the pastor because Jesus would have already left. He warns us, doesn't the good shepherd leave the 99 who are safe to go looking for the one who is lost? And doesn't the good shepherd teach us to be apprentice shepherds in his footsteps? Does he at any point say, I just want you to be a fat, comfortable sheep sitting out in the field grazing? Or does he not call us to be apprentice shepherds in the world? Look at all the dead churches around Glendora. Just a few people left in them. Have they always been that way? They didn't build those buildings when there was just a few people hanging on. They built it when they were a growing, thriving body that was on a mission for Jesus reaching lost people. And then somewhere along the way they turned and they settled. And they became the 99 who were safe, who stopped looking for the one who was lost. Lost sheep be damned. We're comfortable here. Let's never become that church. What a, what a terrible, poisonous thing to do with such a beautiful mission. There, there are three pivots in the New Testament, three major pivots in the New Testament. And there's only one of them that Satan can mess with. The first great and powerful pivot in the New Testament is that Jesus dies on the cross and rises from the dead. And the cross is the intersection at which all history changed direction. Because at the cross, Jesus takes onto himself all of our sin and brokenness. When we believe in him, we are absolutely forgiven. We are washed clean. We get a new start. We're redeemed. We get to leave behind our old and broken life and start a new life in Him. We are free to live lives of love and grace and forgiveness and confidence without anxiety and addiction and constant returning to our brokenness. We are set free at the cross. At that point, the good shepherd takes hold of the sheep and puts it on his shoulders. That's the cross of Jesus. The second major pivot in the New Testament comes in the book of Acts at the story of Pentecost. And you may, you may know this one. You may remember this one. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes down on the disciples gathered in Jerusalem and empowers them to do ministry. They speak in all the languages of the world at that point because the Holy Spirit is empowering them to take the mission and message of Jesus to the world. They are made apprentice shepherds at that point. Jesus has already coached them and sent them out. But now the church is empowered to do the work of Jesus' mission in the world. It's at this point that the church is officially uh, deputized. We are apprenticed. We are made apprentice shepherds in his name. That's the second great pivot in the New Testament. The third great pivot may be one that we're not quite as familiar with. It's in Acts chapter 15. And this is the one where the, the disciples have to get together to make a great decision because there's sort of a division in what's, what they're doing and what's happening. You have certain disciples like Peter who are going to the Jewish people and telling them about Jesus, the Jewish Messiah. 
And Jewish people are converting and beginning to follow Jesus. And that's Peter's ministry. But then you have Paul, who's been called by Jesus, not one of the original 12 followers, called by Jesus supernaturally, and he's going out to Gentiles, to non-Jewish people. And the Holy Spirit is filling them. And they're becoming followers of Jesus. And they're starting churches. And the, the Jewish faith has always been, before, been an insider religion. They are the chosen people. And the Gentiles are outsiders. So they don't know what to do with Paul over here taking the Gentiles and bringing them in. And they have to decide, what are we going to do as a church? So Peter and Paul and the other disciples get together. Acts chapter 15. This is probably in about 50 AD in what's called the Jerusalem Council. And they have to decide... What are they going to do with the fact that Paul's ministry seems to be doing something very different than what they're used to? Paul seems to be out there chasing, out, chasing down lost sheep instead of just coddling the 99 who are safe. And uh, what's happening is, is Paul is inviting to their party people who are going to change the tone of the party. Paul is mixing hip-hop at Peter's ballroom dance. They realize this is going to change the tone of the church. And, and the, some of the 99 may not want their, their party changed. But thank God at that gathering of the early church, the first council of the church, the Jerusalem Council, Acts 15, thank God that they said, we are apprentice shepherds following the good shepherd who left the 99 who were safe to go looking for the one who was lost. Thank God they recognized that that was the call and the mission of Jesus. You and I are here today because they were faithful. And if there are future generations of the church in this country and in this world, it will be because you and I are faithful in receiving the, the role of apprentice shepherd and never settling for comfortable life the way I like it for me and my family. This is what I want. This is what I prefer. Again, I'm, I'm not talking to real-life church as we know it today. This, it's almost like a wasted message. You already know what I'm saying. You're, we're already on board with this. This is how we were founded. But there were lots of churches that were founded that way, and somewhere along the line, they settled and said, let's just be the 99. Well, I say, let's never just be the 99. Let's go chasing after the good shepherd. I saw that happen in a profound and beautiful way in our church just this last week. There's a woman in our church who has a friend who lives in Thailand. And the friend in Thailand only speaks Japanese. And, uh, and this friend uh, speaks enough Japanese to communicate. There, and she, um, she says, my friend over in Thailand is dying. And she doesn't yet know Jesus. And I'm going to fly around the world and visit her. And I want to talk to her about the gospel. I need some materials in Japanese that I can share with her so that she'll understand the message. I, I don't know if I have all the right words to say it. I need some things that I can take with me. I know that we have hosted a Japanese congregation here at Real Life Church. She called me. She said, can you put me in touch with the pastor of the Japanese congregation so I can talk to him about what I need in order to fly across the world and talk to my friend who's about to die about Jesus? And we connected them. And last Sunday, after church, she met with uh, uh, one of our friends, Hiroki, in the Japanese congregation, and asked about materials, and he pointed her to certain websites and certain materials, and then he prayed for her. He prayed for her and commissioned her 
for this mission that she's about to go on. Think about the mindset that goes into this. Flying around the world is not too far. Working through the language barrier is not too hard. If I need resources, there's somebody who, out there who has the resources, and I'm going to take my time and energy and effort to go find them to make sure that I'm prepared. This is the heart of somebody who wants to be a, an apprentice shepherd. May it be the case with all of us. If you haven't already grabbed one, grab one of our, our blessing cards here at the church. We've been giving these out this year, a little blue card. Um, write the names of eight people on it and commit to praying for them every day. Put that card somewhere where, you, where you'll see it every day and can pray for them. Pray for them every day. Seek ways to, to bless them, to give them good gifts, to love them, to care for them. Invite them into God's family. Invite them to the small group that you, you go to or that you have at your house. And then seek to be an example of Jesus to them. Because you are an apprentice shepherd. We all remember that we were once lost sheep. And the good shepherd came and picked us up to carry us home. There was a, a great party in heaven that day. And now you and I inherit and receive the call and the mission of the great shepherd. I didn't save you so that you could just be a comfortable and safe sheep. I saved you so that you could be an apprentice shepherd. May it be so with all of us. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for calling us out of our brokenness. Thank you for that, that moment that you died for us to save us and set us free. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that you poured out to empower us to carry your word to the world. And thank you for continuing to renew your church so that we might never lose your vision for us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for joining us today. Now, will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Facebook or Instagram at Real Life LA. If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit reallife.la and tap give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.